Hello and welcome to episode 148 of NCP. I'm your host, David. I'm going to be the NCP crew, Richard. And for once, I'm on time! Yay! Yay! Luke! I'm always on time. In fact, most of the time I'm actually half an hour early. A wizard is never late. <laughs> and Crystal! That's nice, I like that. I'm, 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 I don't have to be on time, I'm just here. You live here. <laughs> well, I would live here, but you kicked me out and told me I couldn't come back, so... That's not true at all. And just because we changed the locks doesn't mean we kicked you out. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> so this episode 148, uh, we've got uh, a bumper episode for you this time. We've got uh, a special, uh, Richard's going to have a, a special segment on the life and times of Christopher Lee. It's special because everything I do is special. And you know, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, Christopher Lee was awesome. Yeah, he but was, we'll get to that later. He was awesome. <laughs> uh, we also had the return of Crystal's fact or foe. Foe, 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 foe. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that because I'm terrible at like sound editing so if I have to do like one of those echo effects I'll stuff it up so, <laughs> so I appreciate it and uh, our top five this time we're going to be doing our top five films that have been adapted from TV shows and it was a hard one <laughs> <laughs> and of course we'll finish up coming soon let's, let's show the respect that the man deserves by doing him first and I mean Christopher Lee not that <laughs> well that's good <laughs> Christopher that, Lee. That just did not sound right at all. <laughs> I'm rephrase that. No, keep it. Fuck it. Well, as sure as I'm sure our listeners are well aware, um, Christopher Lee passed away on the seventh of June uh, at the ripe old age of ninety-three. Yeah. And uh, look, this was a, actually a very quite a, a celebrity death that was actually hit me a bit, and uh, it was actually Luke that let me know. Uh, he sent a fantastic text, didn't name Christopher Lee in any way or anything, but uh, the text said, uh, uh, that's right, he's not dead, he's just waiting for night to fall. Yeah. <laughs> and straight away, I knew exactly who he was referring to. And there was, a little, there was a little caveat saying, but they didn't have time to record his voice for the dictionary or something yeah. to that effect as well. Yeah, right. which we'll, we'll talk a bit about later on, but... Um, but yeah, so um, and so that was that was Luke's notification to me uh, that Christopher Lee was dead, and um, yeah, like I said, this one hit me a bit because um, I, I look, I grew up on a pretty pretty steady diet of uh, you know horror and science fiction films, and uh, a really really big part of that was, of course, the, the Hammer movies, um, especially the classics of the the nineteen fifties and early sixties, and. Uh, yeah, so when when uh, when I heard about that, and I, I thought back to the recent retrospective we'd done on uh, Vincent Price and how much fun that was, and reliving some of his fine moments, and uh, I thought, well, you know, in honour of Christopher Lee, perhaps we should do something along those sort of lines for him as well, uh, due to his passing. And uh, then Dave, I'm assuming in an attempt to do less work, said, "Okay, you run that." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Christopher Lee was born um, in 1922 in London. His father was a military man in the Rifle Corps who had fought in the Boer War and the First World War as well. And his mum, as described on Wikipedia, was an Edwardian beauty uh, who had actually been painted and sculpted by numerous uh, artists of the era. All right. So, he did, uh, he did do a little bit of acting uh, in his early years, uh, mainly in school plays and, and college plays. Um, interestingly enough, he was in plays with Patrick McNee, who, you know, cool. NCP fans will know from uh, such classics as The Avengers. Uh, 
And not um, it should be pointed out just quickly. Not should be pointed out one of the greatest, you know, top five movie TV to films of all time. Just pointing that out right now. The Avengers. Mm. No, no, it wasn't. We are talking about the, the British Avengers. No, yeah, not, yes, yes, the, the Steed and Mrs. Peel British yes. Avengers, one of the my ten favourite TV shows mm. of all time. It is awesome. Um, well, at least it started off awesome. That's right. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so he did do a little bit of acting, but it wasn't something he was looking to seriously pursue, and he actually took up some other jobs, um, uh, you know, um, after college. But... Um, the first major thing I think that occurs in his life is that World War Two breaks out, mm. and um, this is where the, the second really, really interesting thing about Christopher Lee's life actually occurred. Um, first of all, he in 1939 he went off uh, and joined the Finnish Army as a volunteer uh, to basically fight against the Axis um, before you know returning home and becoming. He, he actually he didn't want to follow his dad into the military, so, uh, sorry, into the army, I should say, so he actually joined the RAF Ooh. and trained to be a pilot, but um, unfortunately, that didn't work for him either. Uh, he had a, sort of a blurred vision and anything during his, his final flight tests, so um, he sort of got shuffled around a bit before he joined RAF Intelligence. He operated uh, in this capacity through um, uh, Tunisia and Africa and was part of the Italian invasion. Um, Some of the stuff he's not even he wasn't allowed to talk about even in later years. Exactly right. Um, Let's just say I can't give you specifics. Yeah, I've actually got a direct quote from him here, which I'd like to read out in that regard. Um, so he'd served. He he was attached at some point to a group called the Special Operations Executive and the Long Range Desert Patrol. Okay. This is basically the SAS. That's essentially what it is, yeah. yeah. And uh, his quote was, I was attached to the SAS from time to time, but we are forbidden, former, present or future, to discuss any specific operations. Let's just say that I was in special forces and leave it at that. People can read into that what they like. And i got to say, respect. Badass. Respect. Respect uh, also for, for his sense of uh, duty in that regard. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter how long you know he, the, the war has been over. He just he he just did not talk about. Well, you can his imagine war somebody's effect. training because uh, during Lord of the Rings, uh, when Peter Jackson said, um, uh, "Imagine, imagine what it's like when you stab someone in the back," like just trying to imagine that, and and Christopher replied with, "I don't need to imagine that." <laughs> in fact, he's, in fact, to continue that story, he actually said, "This is what a man sounds like," you know. <laughs> Um, if, if you can't actually pick that up on radio, then it's being sort of portrayed the, the, um, the sounds. So, so, suffice it to say, he was a man that knew. <laughs> this imagine, kind of imagine hearing Christopher Lee's voice on the end of a secret um, message. Uh, look, look, seriously, if they just rolled him out, I reckon Nazis would have just. That's it. <laughs> we could. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. And sort of further to that, too, um, he was fluent. He was fluent in French and German, um, and actually had a, a, a passing knowledge of Russian as well. So, um, directly after the war, he was actually given the job of hunting down Nazi war criminals. What a legend. That's how badass this man is. <laughs> um, and he does, he does actually say that he, he actually saw the concentration camps, some that had been cleaned up and some that hadn't, in his words. So, um, 
Yeah, so even even before he began his acting career, he's led a pretty pretty interesting life. Mm. Um, yeah, even after the war, he actually hadn't considered becoming an actor until his cousin, who was an Italian ambassador to Britain, uh, said to him, why don't you become an actor? And so he did. Yeah, he went, he did his studies, um, and he started picking up um, sort of minor roles here and there, beginning with Corridor of Mirrors, uh, a Terence Young gothic romance in 1947. Terence Young? Yeah. Apparently he, he was suffering from a problem that uh, everyone thought he was too tall to be an actor. He's not a short man, as, no. we've, as we've well discovered, but... Um, in, in in that first film, they actually sat him down at a table in a in a in a nightclub, uh, and kept him sitting the whole time because if he'd stood up, he would have been too tall. Apparently, this caused problems for him early on in his acting career. Um, although there's a great line where he does say, you know, telling an actor that he can't be an actor because he's too tall is like telling a pianist he can't play the piano because he's too short. So he wasn't too impressed with that, but. Um, Fortunately, that height was amongst many things that um, got him noticed and led to, eventually, to you know, his breakout performance in um, Hammer's uh, Curse of Frankenstein, alongside Peter Cushing, mm. um, who would you know, become his, his great friend, and they appeared in over 20 movies together. Mm. It's just on that, it's kind of interesting that in both that and um, Blood of Dracula, that he actually did, does become um, kind of a legend because in both, it's not about you know him really speaking, even yeah. though he's got that impressive voice, and it's not, he, all he just has, has is show up on camera, and it's his presence that actually carries his performance. Yeah. Unless he appeared to Cushing, you can understand would become a legend, but he's actually give he's actually written um, parts. You know, with, that allow him to you know speak and evoke character, and yeah, yeah. Um, whereas uh, Christopher Lee isn't, and yet he still manages to break out of the mold there and become uh, a minor star at that point. It's also interesting that, given how, as we were talking about earlier, this great baritone voice that he has, mm. that uh, in the Curse of Frankenstein he has no lines mm. at all. He just plays the monster. Um, so this this certainly got the ball rolling for him. Um, then led, of course, to his real breakout in 1958, which is Hammer's version of Dracula. Yeah. Funnily enough, that same year, he'd actually starred in a movie called Corridors of Blood with Boris Karloff, who had also played Frankenstein, which I think is an interesting little tidbit. But yeah, so Dracula was his breakout role for him, and it is awesome. It's, it's a very different take on Dracula, but he is just so primal like he's such a monster like there's there's nothing redeeming about his version of dracula at all and that's one of the things i absolutely love about it yesterday i um because yesterday was saturday here so i watched a, a, a few movies as is my want on the saturdays and one of them was dracula untold which is uh universal's latest iteration of the dracula stuff and that, uh, movie, that movie was so bad <laughs> that i had to go back and watch Christopher Lee's Dracula <laughs> <laughs> to sort of wash that bad taste out of my mouth. To clear the taste. <laughs> to clear, clear it. It's interesting that you say it's an interesting take on Dracula because in the, in the out in the zeitgeist, when people think of Dracula, I think the first person that pops into your mind is Christopher Lee's version. Yeah, it's usually either Christopher Lee or Bella Lugosi's version. Um, yeah, it's definitely Chris for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, he went on to play Dracula many 
many times. Hmm. Unfortunately, many of those films are not the equal of. <laughs> it's fair to <laughs> Most say, of them. all of those films are pretty much not the equal of, of the original. Um, <laughs> including his next foray uh, into Dracula, which was also a Hammer film called Dracula Prince of Darkness, in which he has, once again, no lines. No lines. <laughs> um, the, now, there's an. Two interesting stories about why that was the case. Uh, according to the writer, they actually hadn't written any lines for him in the first place. But according to Christopher Lee, he just he read the lines and just thought they, they were so bad that he refused to speak them. <laughs> so they kind of worked around that. Um, Either way, Christopher Lee doesn't speak and it's a travesty. You sit there going, great baritone voice and you want to hear it and he's not speaking. And also Dracula should speak. Dracula should speak. You know, he's, he's, he's he has, the opposite. But he has really good eye acting. Mm. He does have great eye acting. <laughs> it says a lot for Christopher Lee where they've gone, should we get someone who will actually say the lines or should we stick with Christopher Lee? We'll stick with Christopher we'll Lee. We'll stick with Christopher Lee. Um, well, I mean, he really was, he and Peter Cushing really were the face of Hammer mm. horror at that point. Um, yeah, um, he does point out, however, that uh, the subsequent movies that uh, he felt Hammer were almost blackmailing him to do them. Like, they would call him and uh, you know, ask him to do them. And he would say no. And then I would say, oh, but we've already sold them to the distributors. Think of all the people that will be out of a job if you don't do these movies. <laughs> and apparently that was why he he would continue <laughs> to do them. Um, <laughs> so he did Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, Taste the Blood of Dracula, and Ooh, uh, Scars of Dracula. So he doesn't drink wine. Um <laughs> Which, in which it must be said, he really doesn't actually do that much in those films. But, uh, but once again, his presence as Dracula is, uh, is you know what makes those films stand out. And uh, then in the early seventies, he did uh, two movies: Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Oh dear goodness! And it's the, so bad. And it's the so- Satanic Rites of Dracula, which is just as bad. But these were attempts <laughs> to to bring Dracula into the modern day and. Um, they don't really work as films, and, and who is the, the the wanker in that film that that, that basically drives the plot? I can't remember. It's, it's been so long since I've seen he's it. He's one of the worst actors I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Christopher Neem, Johnny Aculard is the guy you think. God, he's so bad. Yes, the idea that he's the the Cap Aculard because <laughs> no one will ever suspect. <laughs> And that, that was his last appearance, uh, the Satanic Rites of, of Dracula. It was his last appearance as Dracula for Hammer. Um, he did actually play Dracula in an Italian um, horror movie as well. Really? Is it good? Point. I haven't seen it. Round, r- rounding out the Universal Monster remakes, he also appeared as the Mummy in The Mummy. He played Rasputin. I've seen that. Hmm. In uh, Rasputin the Mad Monk. Monk. He's very dis- disconcerting in that. Yes, <laughs> yes he is. Pretty the rest of the film isn't, you know, doesn't live up to his performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, funnily enough, uh, due, to, due to his connections and things, he'd actually met um, previously uh, two of the people involved in Rasputin's death. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yet another cool fact about, <laughs> about Christopher Lee. Um, he played uh, Sir Henry Baskerville in The Hound of the Baskervilles, mm-hmm. uh, alongside Peter Cushing playing Sherlock Holmes. And later, of course, he got to play Sherlock Holmes. Actually, before he plays Sherlock Holmes, he plays Mycroft in The Private Lives. In The Private Lives, yeah. Um, so, you know, this. Think, imagine, you so know, the Sherlock whole, Holmes. The whole universe. Imagine Sherlock Holmes, Holmes's brother being. He was meant to be this, you know, uh, stocky, corpulent 
kind of lethargic man being played by this tall, lanky, quite active... I do um, need to correct you on one thing, though. He actually plays Holmes before he plays Mycroft. Does he? Yeah, he plays Holmes um, in Sherlock Holmes and the Deadly Necklace, which is 1962. Hmm. And then The Private Lives of Sherlock Holmes is 1970. Okay, because he certainly mm-hmm. plays Sherlock Holmes after it. And he does, TV yes. shows with yeah. his friend Patrick McNeer's Watson. Yeah. Okay, in 1967... Uh, he was in a movie called The Devil Rides Out. Hmm. Um, I want to bring this one up because this is, without a doubt, in my opinion, one of the best films Hammer ever made. Um, and he is awesome in it. Hmm. Um, and it's interesting. It's an interesting role because it's a rare good guy role yeah. for him. He plays the hero, not the villain, in this one. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes is not a good guy role. But in terms of, you know, what do you think of... In terms of... Yeah. Um, in he, terms of his apple, you know, yeah. Holmes... Holmes, um, as well, but this one, you sit there going, hang on, he should actually be the bad guy here, but yeah. he's not. Mm. Um, yeah, and Lee was actually responsible for getting Dennis Wheatley, the writer of The Devil Rides Out, of the novel The Devil Rides Out, actually getting the hammer in the first place. Um, you know, he really wanted to do this film, and he was very heavily involved in getting Hammer to make it, mm. which is great, because it is considered one of Hammer's best by a lot of people. Uh, obviously not just me although my opinion is what counts here <laughs> <laughs> okay in in this in his villain roles he also got to play Fu Manchu in some very 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 bad makeup it must be said but um, but once again fantastic and he played in 1971 in a movie called I Monster he played Jekyll and Hyde in 1973 we come to another absolute highlight of his career uh, which yeah, is I was born that's right. Highlight <laughs> of his career. Yeah. Christopher Lee has often said that Crystal's birth was the highlight. <laughs> Is there something about your parentage, Crystal, that you wish to share with us? Or No. <laughs> Deep voice notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. In 1973, he plays Lord Summerisle in the absolutely brilliant movie, The Wicker Man. Um... Not the bees version. Not the bees version. Not the 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 remake, the original. (laughs) Does he punch out a bear? That's all I need to know. Look, he doesn't (laughs) actually punch out a bear. Now, once again, once again, uh, Christopher Lee was very influential in getting this film made. Um, He was actually really looking to try and break away from, you know, from the Dracula roles and things and try something a little bit different. and um, so, he, so his decision to go from playing a bad guy in a horror movie, in a group of horror movies is to play a bad guy in a horror, horror movie. movie. Different type of bad guy, though. But um, he actually worked for free on the film mm, because the budget of it was so small on this film that, and he was so like Passionate eager to get it made yeah. that yeah, that he worked for free. Um, and he actually considers it the best film that he made. He was outraged at the editing. Mm. He was, mm. yeah. But in looking back on it, he actually described he described it as the best film that he was in, and he described his best performance as a movie he made in 1989, hmm. uh, biopic, which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, so he also appeared in. Um, I just I've got to put this one in just because of the title of the film, the Torture Chamber of Doctor Sadism. <laughs> which is a German horror film from 1960s. Well, you name your child Doctor Sadism. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't, he didn't. He got the doctorate probably. Well, later the doctor on. obviously um, wasn't named, but I mean, his last name is Sadism. You know, okay, okay. Your, your career choice is pretty much Victor known. von Du. <laughs> well, Mr. and Mrs. Sadism were a respectable couple. <laughs> That's right. 
horrified at their child's actions. Exactly. <laughs> um, possibly his biggest commercial success also came in 1973, where he played uh, Car- uh, Comte de Rochefort. Rochefort. Comte de Rochefort. Thank you. In The Three Musketeers. And he apparently got injured. He injured his knee while doing it. And apparently so he was more successful than Lord of the Rings. At that point. At that point. Oh, right, okay. Uh, a role, and he returned to the role in The Four Musketeers and then again in 1989 even though he was killed in The Four Musketeers he came back in 1989 <laughs> in The dies. Return of the Musketeers which is not very good um, 74 he did uh, The Man with the Golden Gun yeah which is not a great film but he's awesome in he's it. awesome uh, yeah, the interesting terrible. thing was that um, Ian Fleming who was his step cousin had actually offered him the role of Dr. No. Oh, there you go. Uh, much earlier than that, and he agreed to do it, but unfortunately, by the time the producers found out, they'd already um, they'd already cast someone else. So he didn't get to play Doctor No, but That's he would have right. been awesome as Doctor No. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, on roles that he didn't take, he also was um, asked to play the role of uh, Doctor Loomis in Halloween. Really? Yep. Would have been a very interesting that take. Been, that would have been would've interesting. Would have been take Loomis. Mm. I'm not a fan of the film, but it would have been an interesting take. You don't like Halloween? No. Disgrace. I don't, I don't like Halloween either. Yeah, but you don't like horror films. True. Okay, he, um, in 77 he moved to the, the United States to try his hand at different roles, and um, including, funnily enough, hosting Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Lies. Really? Yep. I'm not shocked. Yep. I'm Googling that. <laughs> it's going to be on YouTube somewhere. That'd be brilliant. That's what led to him getting cast in 1941. Oh, Spielberg well, saw him on Saturday show, Night yeah. Live and went, hey, cool. I, I thought it would have been his appearance on The Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about being too tall. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he was a bit. So, yeah, so he took on... Oh, he was also... Um, he was also in the running to play Magneto, interestingly enough, yeah, in the X-Men. Been, that would have been cool. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that they were only able to get Ian McKellen to play uh, the role they, instead. They, they had to go second so, so they fiddle went for Ian McKellen. <laughs> So um, during this period, uh, there was a bit of a lull in his career. He took on a lot of TV roles and things like that. Um, but then in the early 2000s, we see, of course, the career resurgence for the man uh, when he is cast as uh, Saruman in Lord of the Rings. Uh, he was apparently a huge Lord of the Rings fan and read the novels every year. Yeah, actually, he hadn't met Tolkien in a, in a pub. And yeah. actually he was the one quite fond of saying... You know, everyone else sort of milled about. You got guests down on one knee and says, "You know, I welcome thee, my liege," or something to that effect. You know, quite grandly. Um, yeah, and he'd wanted to play Gandalf for many years. Yeah. You know, the big screen adaptation. Yeah, when by the time the film actually came around, he, he actually said he was too old. Mm. Um, he's better suited to Saruman anyway. Mm. Well, the, the important thing is here: he's awesome to Saruman, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I particularly love the confrontations between him and Ian McCallum. Yes. Uh, just fantastic, the highlights of the film. So, And that, of course, then led to his appearances in Star Wars as well, as Count Dooku, in which he did most of his own sword fighting. I'm not shocked. That's not at awesome. all. Well, he was a fencer and a fighter, so... Um, I'd like to say that um, he believed that he was... He had the most... Of all, any actor, he had the most sword fights on screen in film mm-hmm. history. He also yeah. designed his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Yes, Yes, which is another awesome fact about him. So thanks for bringing that one up. And of course, um, he then appeared in a lot of, admittedly smaller roles, but a lot of roles with um, in Tim Burton films, 
Uh, they worked together five or six times, and he obviously did voice work as well on Corpse Bride. And uh, and one other brief thing I want to bring up. Um, he is also a very, like, quite a renowned singer. Uh, <laughs> and Yeah, no, he actually yeah. sings in a film called The Adventures of Captain Amazing, which is an Australian film. He's a baritone. Yeah, but, but you're, yeah. You're actually, we're yeah. actually going to talk about his heavy metal, though. Well, I was, he did actually do a song, too, uh, for Sweeney Todd, but it was actually cut. Him and Anthony Head did a song together. For Sweeney Todd, but it was actually cut from the movie. How could they cut that? Surely you'd cut a Johnny Depp scene in favour of that. (laughs) I would. Um, I think it's because Tim Burton felt that it was too much of a stage number and that it didn't work for the the flow of the film. But he paying attention to the rest of the film? (laughs) None of of that film works, so who cares? (laughs) Anyway, heavy metal. Yes. um, He released a heavy (laughs) heavy metal album. Uh, called Charlemagne, which I think is awesome. It was released in uh, 2000 and Charlemagne by the Sword and the Cross. Yeah? Yes, I have. It's bloody awesome. It is awesome. Um, It should be pointed out, too, he is actually a descendant of Charlemagne. And his production company... Isn't everybody? Yeah, true. Aren't we all? Well, his production company was actually called Charlemagne as well, so um, clearly he he clearly appreciated Charlemagne. So, um, yeah, so he did this heavy symphonic metal album in 2010 and then in 2013 he followed it up with a sequel Charlemagne The Omens of Death oh I didn't know that so amongst his many accolades wait when did he do that 2010 2013 2013 yeah a couple a of sequel. years ago so he's yeah. like 90 yeah. years old doing heavy metal yep. that's brilliant yeah. I've, only, I've, heard, I've only heard the first you've only heard the first yeah. <laughs> we, we need to when when we have our special guest Pete on the show we need to ask him about that he's a big <laughs> heavy metal fan brilliant. it's interesting that you talk about that because one of the things he, he's also quoted as saying is think um he would never actually something along the lines of I would never actually do uh, heavy metal it would totally destroy my voice mm. um, so it's but when you're 90 years old I don't think you care true hey he won the spirit of metal award from Metal Hammer magazine for that that's so, awesome <laughs> amongst his um, like many 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 accolades including it should be pointed out being knighted in 2009 so he's actually Sir Christopher Lee so proper respect so yeah so that's a basic rundown very long basic rundown, but that's a very detailed nice. basic rundown. Well, I mean, I have, it's such oh, yeah. a, a long, illustrious life. How could you get? Yeah, yeah when, exactly. when you're dealing with a career that spans seventy years, yeah, there's yeah. a lot to cover. But um, I just for, for highlights, I recommend the the early Hammer films: Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy, um, definitely The Wicker Man, uh, The Devil Rides Out, and of course Lord of the Rings, which obviously we all love here at NCP and Star Wars. And Star Wars. Everybody. Just fast forward to his teens. <laughs> yeah, I'm, su- I, I, I'm surprised, Crystal, you didn't actually mention another role of his. Which? But, um, death in the, uh, oh, the, the, the Discworld Cra- cartoons yes. and the, the voice specials. Of death. He's the voice, voice of, of death. death. Yes, I'd forgotten about that. Awesome. But, but it's, I mean, it's so obvious a choice that you're just not surprised when <laughs> <laughs> he's the voice of death. Well, the running gag that Luke and I have had is that there are certain people who are getting on in years... And somebody should just give them a dictionary and have them read every single word in the dictionary so we can record it, so we can preserve those voices. It's going to be something better than William Shatner's Chateau. Yeah. Oh, I was just yeah. about to say that, man, because I mean, that's an awesome idea. 
<laughs> I mean, especially for James Earl Jones. Get that crap. Well, that's happening. the thing. J- James Earl Jones, Christopher Lee, and Morgan Freeman were but the top of our list. Please let it be better than the William Shatner app that Crystal's got, because that is just so crap. No, it's, it's actually pretty good, but it's not the words I want. Oh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Christopher Lee, Christopher legend. Lee. I totally agree with your uh, recommendations with Man, for sure. I haven't seen Devil Rides Out, which I'll remedy. You'll like it. Today. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, that Wicked Man, Lord of the Rings. Dracula, the first Dracula. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. We should do a Habit special, man. We will. So, so many other more rubbish. I'm surprised we haven't already done it. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it at some point. Yeah. We'll do it for Halloween. Cool. Well, thanks for that, Richard. No worries. Uh, proper respect to a man who deserves respect. Cool. All right, so next up we've got Crystal and uh, the return of Fact or Foe. Fact or Foe, 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 Foe. For this week's episode of Fact or Foe, our beloved show QI has put out an app. Now, I'm not sure whether you pronounce it QI-tionary or Quictionary. I don't know. It's, it's a bit hard. But what with this app... sounds better, but I get the feeling it'd be QI-actionary or something like that. Yeah. It's spelled Q-I-K-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y. Okay. So if, if, you, if you're searching for it. Um, so what happens with this app is you get four blank tiles and you've got to choose four letters and um, basically every go you get a chance to choose another four letters and you sort of narrow it down as you go until you get the four correct letters sometimes it's the correct word you get in the end sometimes it's an anagram and you have to move it around until you get the correct word that's a very quick explanation of what it's all about when you get the correct word you then get the bonus of a qi fact you get rewarded. You get rewarded with a QI fact. And so uh, I've based this week's fact or foe on the QI facts from this app. I have three facts here. Two of them are straight from the app. One of them I've totally made up. <laughs> Your task, gentlemen, is to choose which one is the one I've totally made up. And I've read some of these, so it's going to be, it's hard. It's not going to be easy, because one of the facts... Uh, okay, you, you've got this from QI, right? Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the okay, facts so was, I was like, that's surely automatic, that's not true. Automatically, it's going to be. <laughs> cool. All right, I'm going to pass out the little bits of paper. Thank you. There we go. Okay, so fact number one is Queen Bumblebees go bald in old age. Now, the word that that one came from was bald. <laughs> cool. Fact number two, astronauts' helmets contain a small piece of Velcro so they can scratch their nose. That was for nose. Fact number three, Aztecs believe that if you pierce the web in between your ring finger and your little finger, it would increase your first fertility. Obviously for ring. So, so it's a, a completely made up or you've just altered its life? One of them is completely made up. One's completely made up. All right. Well, the Aztecs were into all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, killing babies. I've never heard that fact before, but I'm willing to believe that it's true. <laughs> so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the uh, the Queen Bumblebees. They don't go bald. I don't think they go bald. <laughs> Look, they obviously use Rogaine. <laughs> Buzzgain. Buzzgain. Um, I actually do think I actually have heard somewhere that Aztecs believe that if you yeah. pierce the webbing. So I think that that's the legit one. I actually have heard either that specifically or something similar to that. Yeah. Which yeah, is probably yeah. the trap that I could be falling into. But if it's made, if it's a made-up fact completely, then that one's legit. Um, 
I'm actually leaning more towards Queen Bumblebee's go bald in old age. Uh, because I believe I've also heard that astronaut's helmets contain a piece of Velcro. I actually, have heard, I, it's something along those lines. That, yeah, that the Velcro thing, I'm thinking, I've heard it before, yeah. but I don't know if it's one of those things I've heard before and it's just one of those things that is, you know, we're, we're taught but it's actually not true mm. sort of deal. But yeah. I'd hate for them to be, like, trying to get into their helmets, like, if they're in space. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll just take the helmet off to get that bit of Velcro and scratch my nose. Like, that'd be quite. No, it's on the it's on like the side thing, so they can go like that. Ah, oh, I see. So they rub their nose against the Velcro. Is yeah, that what yeah. You're saying? That's the, the the. I mean, whether it's true or not, but the, the way I've, I've had it described to me is that it's just on the it's on just between the face plate and like the right. solid bit. So move. Not that it's not all solid, but you know what I'm saying. But they just sort of just lean over and just go. You'd want to hope they put the scratchy side in and not the the soft side. Although, I mean, you could just rub it against your helmet. I mean, it's still going to rub your nose, isn't it, really? Actually, now I think I want to change my answer. <laughs> now I'm sticking, I'm sticking with the bumblebees. Look, um, I'm going to go with the astronaut one because I've, I've actually saw recently a doco where they were talking about all of the advances that they're making in astronaut suits now. Um, now, they didn't mention this either way. But I'm thinking, if you look at the problems with astronaut suits in the past, like, for example, people falling down and not being able to get up, yeah. or one of, in one of the Apollo missions, they dropped a hammer and couldn't bend down to pick it back up again when they were, like, trying to do work. Right. So they had to work out a way to actually get to be able to get the hammer up again. So with that kind of stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if they just, like, forgot about stuff like what a guy does when he's got to scratch his nose. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the astronaut helmets one. Okay. Well, I'm very pleased to announce that I've done a quick clean sweep. Well done. Yay! The um, incorrect one, well, the fake one that I totally made up, or at least I think I totally made it up, is the Aztec one. No, that's fair enough. So you totally made it up. I made that up out of my brain, unless I sort of vaguely heard it somewhere and <laughs> unconsciously no, no, remembered it. Look, it's the reason I'm aware I totally made that up. The reason it works is because the Aztecs did yeah, they do crazy all kinds stuff. of weird stuff like yeah. this sort of stuff. So it wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't have surprised. That's why me I that thought it true. sounded plausible. Well, yes. I do have to. Yes, I, I actually, I actually do want to take back the word, the word "crazy" and "weird." I mean, it's it's what they believed, mm-hmm. and just because it was different to us doesn't mean it was bad. But uh, I was going to add an extra bit on it that I thought would probably give it away, so I, I left it out. But I was going to say if they pierced the the left handed to be a boy and they pierced the right handed to be a girl. Look, even that would. Uh, I still would believe. I still would believe. It. So. <laughs> Well, there you no, go. So, Gre- so Bumble- right. Green Bumblebee yeah, do go bald. as soon as a boy or a girl's born and yeah. it's the wrong hand. Well, there you go. Well, you know, when the Queen Bumblebee, when she doesn't need to look her best anymore, <laughs> she can just kick back and lead a life and relax. <laughs> is that yes. what it is, you reckon? That's what, that's what Watch life Watch yourself is. go. Well, yeah. with this, uh, I have to say that another fact from this uh, app was that um, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon wearing ladies' underwear. <laughs> okay. If Neil Armstrong wants to wear what ladies' underwear, that's fine with me. Yeah, look, 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 look. The, the, the point, the point here is first man on the moon. That's he right. can do whatever he likes. Yep. Well, you can make many jokes about that <laughs> yes. with, uh, with transgender. No. Um, but couldn't that be about actual comfort in the suit? Probably. Yeah. Like couldn't that actually could be? A yeah. So when you say ladies' underwear, do you mean like the granny pants type deal? I don't like know. The they didn't, they didn't specify, oh. and I didn't look it up. Right. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for playing Thanatorfo, yeah. and well stay done. tuned for the next episode. <laughs> You've got a good radio voice when you project. <laughs> when I've got a cold. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I know. So victory to Crystal this round. Curses. Curses. <laughs> Can't believe I got victory this 
early on in. Cool. Let's finish up with our top five. Like I said at the start, top, uh, this is our top five films adapted from TV shows. Now, the reason I, I chose this particular topic is because uh, the other day I watched Masters of the Universe, and uh, the movie, and it's hilarious. It <laughs> it's is so fundamentally bad. It's, it's terrible, but it's awesome. <laughs> Luke? <laughs> okay, I believe my uh, statement on Masters of the Universe is... Well, <laughs> well on record. Well, yes, what I wanted, you, yes, I wanted, I wanted to, to feel the love because I, I, know you're, I know you're a big fan. I have the power. Man's like a Gumby for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> My brain hurts, skeletal. <laughs> it's great stuff. Um, anyway, so and I realised that was in fact you know adapted from a TV show. So. Mm. I got my brain thinking, and so I come up with this. Got your brain into gear. My brain stopped itching and started thinking. <laughs> scratched on that bit of Velcro. Yeah, I scratched on the Velcro on the inside of my skull, and I was all good. Do you suffer from itchy brain? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go in alphabetical order. Crystal. Okay. And I'll go in reverse numerical order. <laughs> Number five. Oh, just a preface, I, f- I found this one rather difficult because all of many, many of the film adaptations I've seen of TV shows are terrible, so it's hard to yeah. come up with a top five. <laughs> it's, it's almost like trying to find good movies based on video games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or good movies based on comic books. <gasps> oh, get out! <laughs> right, well that'll be next week's top five then. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Okay, that's actually remarkably easy. It is nowadays. Mm. It didn't yeah, used to be. Yeah, once upon a time it would have been hard. Yeah, back when your choices included the 1990 version of Captain America. <laughs> I watched that the other day. <laughs> just terrible. <laughs> I when I say watch, I mean it was just on the screen. I thought I'm Captain America too. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched that as well. Yeah. Um, number five on my list is Monty Python. And um, I had toss up between the Holy Grail and the other one. Life of Brian. The other one. Momentarily brain freeze there. Um I won't go into detail. We've talked um, ad infinitum on Monty Python. So, number four on my list, the Blues Brothers. Yay. Not technically based off a TV show, more based off a Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live skit, but still come from TV. It's from TV. Come from TV. It counts. Yeah, I, I must admit, because I've included that as well. I wasn't sure whether to count that one or not. Well, I I'll, almost I'll, wasn't. I'll talk about the sort of parameters yeah. of, the, of the choosing when I get to the one. I almost wasn't going to, but given I had such a hard time getting to number five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Number three on my list is X-Files, which I'm reliably informed the first one is called Fight to the Future. It's Fight the Future. Fight the Future? Yeah. Fight to the Future? (laughs) (laughs) Every day's a struggle. (laughs) Like the between the X-Files and Back to the Future. (laughs) Fight to the start of season six. (laughs) Anyone home, home Mulder? This one I included on there, um, because it's... It's, a, it's not a bad film. I quite enjoyed it at the time, but it, it brings back fond memories for me because it's. Um, I took my mum to see this film, and it was the first film she'd seen since, I think, Superman at the theatres. I thought you were going to say since the silent movies or something. No, no, no. It's been, it's been a long <laughs> time. Since talkie started. So, Superman was 1978, <laughs> so that's a big yeah. gap. So, I mean, it's now that they're empty nesters, mum and dad go to the films quite a lot, but um, <laughs> at this point in time that she hadn't been for such a long time, and, and she was, it was just... Such a, she just enjoyed it so much that I was so pleased. <laughs> <laughs> and her favourite part was the loud explosions because she hadn't been in a theatre with that sort of Dolby sound, <laughs> nice. surround sound. So she just she just loved it. So it brings back good memories. Awesome story. 
Um, number two on my list is The A-Team. They're by no means the best movie in the world, but it, it was um, it paid great homage 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 to the show. <laughs> <laughs> to the show. Um, it, it's it's um, it's sort of st- st- stuck by the show's bible, for lack of a better word. It it, it could have been. Yeah, it's, it's what I would expect the original A-Team to be if it was made into a movie. Uh, I, think, I think a good way of putting it would be, it could have been the movie version of Miami Vice, Yeah, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. <laughs> Thankfully. But, yeah, and, and it was cast really well. I, I yeah. think um, Bradley Cooper did an excellent job as Face, and, and um, the Murdoch guy whose name is Yeah, he's an excellent, excellent Mad Dog Murdoch. Um not sure Liam Neeson was the best choice for Hannibal, but he did a fantastic job. And and uh, the B. A. Baracus guy name I've forgotten. Uh, it's Rampage. Yeah, Rampage. Rampage. Jackson. Yeah, he was he was great. Too. I mean, he may as well have been Mr. T. He he, <laughs> he inhabited the Mr. T character absolutely. So yeah, that was I really enjoyed that film. And it's not often I enjoy an actiony actually film. That's right. <laughs> um, and a number. One on my list. Actually, I've numbered this five, two, three, four, five. What, <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you run well? NCP, we're, we've altered the way the numbers work. Number one on my list, uh, um, Star Trek, and I picked The Voyage Home just because that's my favourite Star Trek film. Fair enough. It's certainly yeah. the one that captures, captures the, I, I guess, the spirit of the TV show. Exactly. And, and who doesn't, uh, who doesn't love that? a double dumbass, dumbass on you? <laughs> <laughs> we, there be whales here. <laughs> um, so, alphabetical, which since there's two Davids, it means you. All right. Yay. Okay, um, my number five uh, is the X-Files. Um, God, I was just an absolutely rabid X-Files fan. Uh, I love the show, but at this point, like, they could do no wrong, and... I was a little concerned when they when they were going to do the movie. I'm thinking, oh, is this going to translate well? What's it going to be like and everything? And it turned out to be absolutely awesome. So I, I loved it. Um, so that was my number five. Uh, my number four movie is The Fugitive. Uh, huge fan of the TV show. And um, I think the movie managed to compact it very nicely into a good, entertaining two-hour film uh, with a couple of really great performances, especially Tommy Lee Jones, I think is a real standout there. Um is that that's the one with the with the speech, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah I love that is. speech. And I do like the you know I didn't do it. I don't care because <laughs> uh, I've always wanted somebody to say that. My job is to capture you. I don't care if you did it or not. That can be worked out later on. So that was awesome. Um, uh, my number three choice was the Blues Brothers. Um, I wasn't sure whether to include it, um, and actually I didn't include any of the Monty Python films because I didn't feel that the movies were. Except for, you know, and now for something completely different. Yeah, it's yeah. just a bunch of sketches yeah. from the show anyway. But I didn't feel that the movies were actually translating from the, from TV the show, show directly. Yeah. I almost um, didn't include it for that yeah. reason, but I well, couldn't think of a number five. different, which does do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but that's mm. once again, that's just sketches that were already on the show. Mm. It's mm. not a really adapting anything. It's just redoing the sketches. Mm. Um, whereas the Blues Brothers, yeah, series of performances on Saturday Night Live that they turned into an absolutely fantastic movie. Um... My number two choice, and this surprised me because, seriously, I didn't even know that this was an adaptation of a TV series, is Traffic uh, from 2000. It's apparently based on a British... Yeah, it's a British production. ...production, which Mm. I've never seen. Mm. um, But I I loved Traffic. Um, I thought it was fantastic um, and was actually my nomination for Best Picture that year. Um, So, yeah, that was my number two. And like I said, I'm now going to actually track down the... 
the British show because I've never seen it before. Um, but my number one adaptation, and this was this was the one that was very very easy for me to pick here. Um, my number one is The Untouchables. I oh. this movie is brilliant. Uh, for me, for me, it's one of those rare examples of just a, a perfect movie where just the the casting, the direction, the scripting, the cinematography, just everything comes together. Now it may not be the best movie ever, but I just love watching it, and I've seen it many, many, many times <laughs> over the years. Um, so an incredible movie, and I think without a doubt the best adaptation from a TV series. Cool. Do you just um, just going back to Crystal, just quickly, just uh, do you have a, a worse example? Um, get smart. Get smart. <laughs> and 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 uh, before you go, oh, there's worse ones than that. That's the worst one I've seen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Steve Carell did a fine job of, as Max, but I could, didn't really buy the '99 character. She just didn't. She seemed like not a very nice person. Whereas '99 in the TV show was lovely, mm. and that kind of spoiled the whole film for me. Fair enough. Cool. Did you, did you, Richard, you got got a worst? Well, I mean. Luke mentioned the Avengers earlier. Yeah, and that is god awful. Um, but I'm there are so many bad ones to choose from. <laughs> Master of the Universe, which also came up. <laughs> but um, look, I'm going to say possibly uh, Lost in Space, just for completely missing the whole point of what the TV show was about. Yeah, and, I mean, and just just sorry, for being just a just generally abysmal film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just to explain that to, uh, to, our, to our listeners, we don't normally do that in our top five. But I just I thought I'd introduce a thing where whenever we do uh, our top five good things, we have one example of the worst one, and then on the flip side of that, if we do our top five bad, we'd have one example of a good one, just to sort of round it out a bit. I thought. Um, but well, look, uh, in, in doing this, there were far more examples of oh, bad yeah. than good. I just wanted to add with uh, get smart that. Um, Patrick Warburton was an excellent choice for Jaime. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, okay, so on to me. Uh, now, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's been mentioned, but yeah, I, I also didn't include uh, any Monty Python for that very reason. Um, I, um, I also didn't include any Star Trek, even though it does clearly count. Um, I just, we've done Star Trek to death. a billion times on this show. <laughs> so, um, so I just, I, you know, although, I mean, Star Trek would probably be, would definitely be in the top five, at least. Well, at least Star Trek too. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised because I deliberately didn't include Star Trek. Thinking, yeah. yeah, Dave will put Star Trek. No, too. no, I, I didn't. I didn't include Star Trek because we've talked about it heaps of times. So I thought I, I tried. So I tried to do films that were not uh, Star Trek related. Um, and the I actually, contrary to the rest of the group, I actually found this kind of difficult to do because there was I, there were so many that I that I've enjoyed, not necessarily good films, but films that I've at least enjoyed. So I could have had a top ten easy. I mean, Untouchables would have been in there for sure. Um, but anyway, my top five. The number five, I've got The Muppet Movie, um, and I'm talking the original Muppet Movie, the Rainbow Connection um, song. Uh, and it's, it's it's it just holds a, just a, a really strong part of my heart. It's like every every single time I think of this film, I almost well up. I mean, just and watching the intro, the Rainbow Connection intro, it will bring mantis to my eyes for sure. It's, it's uh, and the rest of the film's awesome. It's like it was like it was like the cannibal run, but with the, with the Muppet characters. It was awesome. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, and number four, I've got Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, like like I said in my intro, it's it's not the greatest film ever made, but I just for some reason it just it it speaks to me. It's like, I just think it's hilarious, and I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure why, but I've seen it multiple times now, and I even, now I can't even tell you why I like it. But it just I just think it's hilarious. I just it's funny funny stuff. Uh, number three, I've got The Fugitive, uh, for all the reasons that Rito just said. Um, actually, I'm actually not that big a fan of the TV show. I mean, I like it. It's not my greatest. It's not the, not the greatest show ever, but 
Uh, I just think the film is one of those excellent examples of how to do it right. Yeah. Uh, and number two, I've got the Blues Brothers. Yay. Just because of brilliance. They're on a mission from God. They are. <laughs> I mean, it's from start to finish, there's never a bad moment in that film. It's absolutely <laughs> brilliant stuff. Uh, and number one, I've got The Addams Family. Um, I'm a huge fan of the TV show, and I think The Addams Family, going back to what I said about the future, I think is, is a perfect example of how it's, to be, how it's done. It's respectful, and it brings its own sort of heart and warmth, and I think every single character was cast perfectly, and it just... Yeah. It is. It's. It's almost a perfect movie on its own rights. As it will always be. So absolutely great stuff. Uh, my example for the, uh, the worst has got to be Bewitched, um, because <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of this of the show itself. But I just, I just think Bewitched, um, like uh, Crystal was saying about uh, 99 in in Get Smart, I actually think the characters in Bewitched not only do they just miss the point, but I think the. Um, it's actually kind of mean. Like it's, it's, it's more of a send-up of the show, really. It's, no, it's, just, it's very mean-spirited, and it's a sort of it. It ignores the heart of the show itself, and it just it basically just it just basically just poos all over the original show, and it's just it's just, you know terrible performances by all involved, yeah, and the, the story's way. awful. So it's uh, yeah, that's my example of the worst. Is there a way you can poo on the original in a good way? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, that's, we're not here to judge. <laughs> Actually, we are here to judge. That's if, all we do. If that's what you're into. <laughs> and finish it up with Luke. You do. Um, okay. It, like a lot, like just about everyone here, so I found this difficult, and a lot of my choices um, actually have already been mentioned with with the um, with a couple of exceptions. My number five is also the Muppet movie, uh, for much the same reasons that Dave already said. Um, captures the show beautifully, um, you know, but don't feel offended watching it as an adult. Mm. Um, my number four is um, is Serenity because it was really what we what we wanted the TV show to be, mm. finishing off the story. Okay. Um, again, number three is also The Fugitive. Um, again, for many of the reasons that we said, it's uh, and it's also you know one of the few television adaptations that have actually been nominated for Academy Awards mm. beyond just, you know, an acting award here or there. It was nominated. It was up for Best Picture, I believe. That's correct. Um, my number two um, is also The Addams Family. Um, because that was that was one of the that was the one that immediately came to mind. Um, also watch watching it as a kid, um, without really having not too much awareness of the T V show itself. I knew, I knew there was a TV show called The Addams Family, but I didn't watch it every day or anything like that mm. um, so it meant that I was coming into it without um, needing to have read or watched um, two or three years worth of the TV show and it in and of itself was the thing that actually captured me um, and my number one choice um, is the original Transformers movie yeah. the animated show the animated one yeah. um, watched that to death as a kid um, huge trans, huge fan of the original Transformers, and for me, that was what the Transformers were about. Yeah, great. And the great thing about that is that you could put the more recent Transformers movies in as the worst examples. Yeah, do you have a list? I did a five-minute review, <laughs> and that's probably not even the worst that I could come up with. You, you know, in a, I've already mentioned the Avengers, but we've got you know the Jetsons movie that they did in 1990, <laughs> the Flintstones, both of them. <laughs> The Transformers. Uh, 
I haven't seen things like Starsky and Hutch and Dukes of Hazard, but there is no way in hell I'm going to see Starsky and Hutch and Dukes of Hazard. Charlie's Angels, I am not a fan of. Oh, I like I like Charlie's Angels one, but um, but I, yeah, Star, Starsky and Hutch is not is at least not offensive, whereas Dukes mm. of Hazard is, is 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 right up there. I mean, I was I I tossed I tossed between Dukes of Hazard, Bewitched, and Lost in Space <laughs> because not not because they're not only because they're only because they're bad films, mm. but because they just they. They basically they're offensive to the original show. Yeah. I didn't mind Lost in Space, but I think where it fell down for me is it actually tried to reinterpret the show rather than mm. than it was. It was trying to be far too it, serious mm. for starters. I think it should have been. Maybe it, they're going to change it so much to reinterpret it. Maybe it should have been its own movie and not based on a TV show at all. Maybe make it into something else. And yeah. also because right. the, the actual the, the actual selling point of the TV show was not the family at all. It was in fact Doctor Smith. Yeah, yeah. reshot the pilot. Um, as much as I love Gary Oldman, that's mm-hmm. that's not the Doctor Smith we yeah. know. Yeah, they reshot the pilot back in the sixties, um, and actually added Doctor Smith into the second pilot. Yeah. And it's amazing that the complete the shift and just yeah, how much more yeah. entertaining um, the second yeah. pilot is because it's got Doctor Smith. Yeah, the first one is just you know Swiss Family Robinson in space and yeah. it's dead boring. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I think amongst amongst us, we're pretty much named the only good <laughs> <laughs> TV adaptations that we really will cover all bases. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Because in, in hearing in hearing your lists, you all included films that I was. I was close to including yeah, myself. Yeah, like Monty Python, like the Muppets. Have honorable mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anyone thinks we've missed something, let us know. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Is a dear favourite of yours? Then uh, by all means, I'm, I almost put the Care Bears movie in there. Dear God, no. <laughs> dear I NCP. Mean, I, I wish to. Lose. I wish to um, retract my earlier. No, I'm kidding. Uh, worst, <laughs> worst film, worst adaptation of all time. But the Care Bears movie. <laughs> That film nearly stopped my mother from taking me and my sister to the films ever again. <laughs> really? <laughs> it did. Really? Brilliant. Tell us the story. What, it was, uh, what is it? She just found it offensive or what? She found it so dull and patronising. <laughs> it is so patronising. And my, my sister is a Care Bears fan. You know, she had, you know, Rainbow Bear and... Um, Everybody had Rainbow Bear. <laughs> Everybody had... Even I had Rainbow Bear. You cool. Moving on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a fact I didn't know. And I've known Dave for 20 years now. Let's finish up with our coming soon. Quickly. <laughs> uh, cinema's June 25th. We get Eden. Uh, Far From the Madding Crowd. Yeah. Which is based yeah. on a book. Yes, by Thomas Hardy. Yep. Yep. Uh, Love and Mercy. Oh, that's um. Is that the, that's the Beach Boys? Yeah, it's film, it's, it? it's basically it's Brian Wilson's descent into madness, mm. and he's oh, and uh, the the weird relationship he had with his uh, his psychotherapist. Mm. And he's um, played by Jim Paul Dano. Sorry, Paul Dano plays Brian Wilson. And oh, John, uh, John Cusack plays the psychotherapist. Oh, no, Jim right. Hardy plays the psychotherapist. Oh, oh no! Somebody told me John Cusack plays jo- Brian Wilson. I thought that doesn't work at all. No, he's too old. <laughs> Brian Dano, Paul Dano. Oh, maybe it is John Cusack playing the. The psychotherapist. Maybe you're right. Anyway, anyway, and uh, finishing up with uh, last but not, not least, Ted Two, the sequel that had to happen. No, no. Last really, really so the, the first least. one. The first one was a bit hit and miss. There were some funny moments in it, but it really does not need to have another movie. <laughs> no, it does not. Well, let's just hope that it was better than um, How to Die in the West, whatever that film was called. Always did I West. Yeah, yeah. That was awful. The, there's an awesome cameo in that film, but the rest of it, bleh. 
Yeah, so bad. <laughs> That's it for episode 148. Thank you for joining us. Some very quick plugs before we move on. Uh, Menomojo is uh, going gangbusters after episode uh, five or six, I think. And uh, it's awesome. Check it's him out. Mojo That's That's your mo- get your mojo on. I like that. That's good. We're going to use that. Um, I'm still in that quote. Uh, yeah, so we've got uh, we've uh, we're zooming along with our new host Halia, and uh, she's awesome. It's, it's uh, a great, great combination we've got there with uh, Black Sword and Talia. So uh, I implore you to check it out. And uh, listeners from our last episode would have noticed our new end, end credit sequence, our new slimlined end credits. Yeah. So if you if you do if you do want to contact us, so like Chris said, if we missed one of your favourite films, please let us know. Uh, you can go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us for all the ways that you can speak to us. And that's it for episode one forty eight. Richo. Alright, I do want to come back to this Care Bears thing at one point. <laughs> Never. Let's do an entire episode dedicated to the fact that you had a dear Care Bear. We'll do, we should do a split episode between the Care Bears and the My Little Ponies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a brony. Luke. And now you shall complete your appointment with a nerd culture podcast. <laughs> and David. Here's a hint. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.